Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 207 of Kinks and Beats Daily. Why does it do this? That's twice in a row it's done this. This soundboard needs work. And then it messed up yesterday's post roll too. Made my voice sound like a chipmunk and then slow motion all within 12 seconds. All right, let's start over. Hello, welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm Tony Fry, your host. This is episode 207. Today we're talking about Wah Wah by George Harrison. This will be a good one. Uh, before we get started, though, in case you don't listen all the way to the end, um, I just want to let you all know that it is very easy to get a hold of me. And I do love talking to everybody who listens to the um, show. And over our hiatus through most of 2021, um, it was cool getting messages and, and stuff from people who were getting caught up on the podcast. So you can email me at kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. You can join our group um, uh, on facebook.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Kinks and Beats. You can follow any social media at Hero Habit, but Kinks and Beats does have its own Twitter account. And we now have a Reddit page, r slash Hero Habit, where you can um, join our subreddit and, and actually discuss these episodes as they're posted. So do all that. You can also call me at 925-494-1739, and I will play those on future episodes. And then lastly, uh, if you want to help prevent another long hiatus and like the work that we're doing here at Hero Habit, specifically on this podcast, you can do a contribution of five bucks. Uh, Just go to the website in the store section, and you will see uh, a spot where you can just contribute five dollars. And you can do it once. You can set it up to do it once a month. And um, if everybody who listened to this podcast did that, I would be able to devote all my attention to this podcast. Um, so if you enjoy it and you can spare five bucks, that would be awesome. Enough of that. Let's move on uh, to Wawa by George Harrison, where this is uh, continuing our deeper dive into all things must pass. Uh, we skipped Wa- uh, My Sweet Lord, which is the second track because I covered that uh, months ago, and that's a good one to listen to because of all the lawsuit stuff. That that was uh, maybe one of my favorite episodes of this podcast. So this is released November 27th, 1970. It's the third track on All Things Must Pass. And it was actually the first track to be recorded during the album sessions, with its composition dating back to January 1969. In fact, most sources have said that the composition was specifically written on January 10th. And that's the day that George left the Beatles temporarily. So if you've watched the Get Back documentary, there's a scene where Harrison seems to walk out of the sessions without any provocation, right? They're just playing, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, put an ad out in the paper for guitarists. I'm out. Um, and I think and that that's the day that he supposedly wrote this song. I think a lot of people assume he left after the I'll play what you want me to play or I won't play at all fight that he had with Paul. But that was actually a few days earlier. Um, so the provocation was present and deep as Harrison felt like his songs were being dismissed. He'd been arguing with John about his attitude and some business matters, and he didn't care for Paul's leading of the sessions. And there's also some marital issues happening at this time, um, which were not Clapton related. That was later. Um, and a pa- Patty, his wife had apparently moved out for a time. Now, I don't know the exact timeline of that, because she is spotted very briefly in the Get Back documentary. She comes in, gives him a kiss, and then disappears. And that's all we really see of her. But at some point, 
pardon. At some point during these sessions, she j- does leave because he's sleeping with somebody. And uh, I'm not going to talk about this aspect, but suffice to say, George is going through a lot in early 1969, and it seemed to kind of boil over during the get back sessions. So he walks out and writes Wawa. And George admitted eventually that the inspiration of this song was Paul McCartney, and that Wawa in this sense was used to describe a headache. So like in America where we would say, uh, I've got a splitting headache, you know, it's it's the same thing. You're giving me a Wawa. Um, and it's a little bit funny that after George's passing, McCartney would actually play and sing on this song, which was written as a middle finger to himself um, at the concert for George. And I think it's a shame that the song wasn't added to the Get Back set list. It was never presented. George, he had he had it written with plenty of time to get it up on the roof, um, but never presented. It was never presented for Abbey Road. He was holding on to this one, which is probably for the better. But I think this would have been a cool rocker on the rooftop. Uh, and they had plenty of time to rehearse it. Uh, especially when you consider that three-fifths of the rooftop lineup, because remember they have Billy Preston there, are actually playing on the All Things Must Pass version. George, Ringo, Billy are all on this version. Um, As far as production goes, this track may be more than any other track on All Things Must Pass has the heavy hand of Phil Spector on it. Um, The first two tracks that we've talked about already on this record are more restrained. And then we get to this song and there are a thousand musicians playing into a thousand echo chambers and it's just too much. There's no clarity between the instruments and George's vocals really kind of get lost in the mix periodically, particularly in the bridge that you don't see me crying that bit on the original mix just disappears. His voice just disappears. Um, and I, and I like the wall of sound specters work with girl groups in the sixties is some of my favorite music. I wrote an article on hero habit about his, uh, Christmas album is it's one of the greatest Christmas albums of all time. And it is dripping with wall of sound. Um, but it just, it works different in this setting, in this rock and roll setting. And I don't understand you listen to his production on plastic Ono band and you don't feel Phil Spector at all. And you listen to his production on, uh, imagine, and you don't feel Phil Spector at all, but you, you listen to this one and it's all over the place. I mean, it's just Phil Spector and, uh, I just don't like it on this song. It's too wet. If you're going to have all those instruments, you don't need so much reverb and echo and tape delay, right? It just becomes a mess. You you want a little bit drier sound and let the actual instruments provide their own reverb, you know, just a touch to, to make it feel energetic. But this is just too much. Even George said that it sounded nice in the studio. Um, you know, when they're live in the studio playing it, all those instruments would sound great. And you hear it in concert for George. When they do it live, they do it with more instrumentation, you know, more players than in the All Things Must Pass session. But because it's just the reverb of the room and it's mixed a lot better and all that kind of stuff, it it feels like how it should feel. And this is probably closer to how George heard it in the studio than how we heard it on the record. Um, and so he says it sounded nice in the studio, but then when he heard the playback, he was shocked. And I wish Harrison had had the conviction to go with what he knew would have been better and just clean this track up. And I imagine that John did have that conviction. And that's why Plastic Ono Band doesn't sound as 
produced and there's not all the overdubs and everything, you know, like he went in with a very clear vision. And I think George's vision for this song was, or for this album was, I need to get these songs out of me. And it didn't go deeper than that. He wasn't going for a specific sound. Um, of course, all that said, it's still one of my favorite tracks on the album. And it ranks pretty high for me on Harrison's solo catalog in general. So all these thousand musicians specifically are George Harrison and Eric Clapton on guitars. George is playing like four guitars on this. Uh, Billy Preston, Gary Wright, and supposedly, if you ask him, Bobby Whitlock on keys. Um, Pete Ham, Tom Evans, and Joey Mullen, who were from Badfinger on acoustic guitars. Klaus Vorman on bass. Ringo Starr on drums. Bobby Keys and Jim Price on horns. And Mike Gibbons on tambourine. Not a small lineup of players by any stretch of the imagination. Now, the 2020 remix of this album corrects the issues with the vocals getting lost. Vocally, the remix sounds beautiful, but in the process, it sort of loses some of the keyboards, particularly the keyboard that Bobby Whitlock claims to play. Um, But this is one of those things, because the production is so overdone, if there are three keyboards on that album, on this track, Billy, Gary, and Bobby, what are the other two playing? Because you can really only hear definitively that that electric piano part that comes in on the upbeats, you know, during that opening riff. And it's the same thing. We've got three acoustic guitars being played, but if you were to just listen to it, I don't think you could find an acoustic guitar anywhere in this mix. All you're feeling it, right? You're feeling it and it's all mixed up into that echo, but you're not hearing any definition. I don't know what rhythm the guys are playing. They're probably, they could be playing just solid eighth notes or, or really going crazy. I have no idea. All you hear is the residual effect of the acoustics. You're not actually hearing them. And I would have much preferred to actually hear what those players are playing. But uh, my guess, since we've never had a stripped-down mix of this album, is that the echo is baked into the tape. And it isn't added after the fact like it would be today. Because I think if it was added after the fact, you know, George could say, hey, why don't we bring down the echo a little bit on that? You know, why don't we... uh, Maybe do the acoustic guitars a little drier or whatever so that you didn't have this um, almost like a feedback loop as far as the echo goes. But if it's baked into the tape, meaning that Phil Spector is adding that echo signal as it's recording, then you can't go back and adjust it. So however it's recorded, the only way to fix it is for to get the whole band in there again and re-record the whole song. And that's not practical. I do want to highlight two or three things specifically about what instrumentation you can actually identify. First is Ringo's drum work on this track is pretty great. Again, like the background vocals, a lot of it does get lost in the mix. But if you can focus your ears on just him, put your headphones on and just focus on the drums. He's really laying down a, a, a cool groove on this track. He's got some interesting fills and I mean, it's it's a cool drum line. Um, second, Klaus Vormann's bass. I have nothing to say about it. I just always want to point out um, Klaus Forman's bass because it's always spectacular. The dude never phones it in. And I think as far as session guys goes, he's definitely my favorite bass player. But I think even if he's up there with McCartney and, and some of these other bass players that I really admire, I mean, he's just phenomenal. He's never wrong. And the thirdly, the guitar solo George takes on this song totally shreds. 
it reminds me a lot of the work he'd later do on Lennon's Imagine album, which I think Imagine has some of his best, not the song, the, the whole album, has some of George's best guitar work. Um, it's gritty and it's aggressive and it's difficult without being overly flashy. It's really top tier guitar playing. And uh, this song, he's just killing it. As far as the song structure goes, this one's a lot easier to count than uh, I'd Have You Anytime, which we discussed two days ago. It's a straight ahead rock song, four beats to the bar, and it stays that way throughout. You know, there's some dynamic shifts and stuff, but the, the rhythm is just one, two, three, four all the way. Where the challenge of this song is, is in the chord progression, which is uh, nearly devoid of a key. And it's got tons of chords that are not standard rock and roll. Um, and that can be tough. When you've got that many musicians and you start a song in E, which is a very common, if not the most common rock and roll key, there's some certain expectations. And so when you give them on the second chord a G-sharp major, which you don't ever really see in the key of E, I mean, it sounds cool, but it's not in the key of E, this is not this automatically, by the second chord, you are not playing standard rock and roll. And when you've got this many guys playing this many chordal instruments, you've got, what, what did I say, five guitar players and potentially three keyboard players playing chordal instruments plus the bass. Um mistakes are going to happen, right? Just because your fingers, you've been playing rock and roll for, you know, since you were a kid, your fingers are going to naturally go to certain places. And G sharp major is not one of them. So the fact that the band sounds as good with these complicated chord progressions and stuff is really a testament to this just top notch band that he's assembled. The opening riff is in the key of E, like I said, uh, and, Beyond the first chord of the song, he really only hints at E as a home key. He immediately goes to a G-sharp major chord, which isn't in the key of E. So we've got the E, and then a G-sharp major. Now, the G-sharp should be a minor chord, right? And we've heard that kind of stuff before. But he makes it a major chord. So you got E to G-sharp major. Then he slides down to F sharp seven, which should be a minor, but it's not. And then he makes it minor, so now it's a two chord. Then he goes to B seven, the five, back to two, back to five. And this is where he goes off the rails. He goes to a D seven chord which is not in the key of E, but it is the five chord of A, which is the four. So it's technically a five of four borrowed chord. But usually if you're going to borrow that chord, you would go transition to an A chord. And he goes, he adds the nine. And then instead of going to the A, which, you know, would be logical, he goes to back to E. And you'll notice that when he adds the nine, that is an E. So that D9, he's kind of establishing that he's not going to go to A by adding that ninth because it's it's got the root of the tonic. And he does that a couple times. And then when he gets to the bridge, he switches to an A chord. And this is actually the most grounded the song gets in tonality because he's just going one to four, one to four. I'm sorry, four to one, four to one. A, 
see me crying. E one. Oh four, don't see me sighing. Back to one. Oh, back to five. And then we're back to the riff or the verse. Um, that's it. It's not crazy complicated, but like I said, it is, these are tough chords to sing over because some of the interval jumps and because some of, you know, you have majors where you would normally have minors. So your, your ear doesn't want to do what it needs to do to get these notes out. So it is a tough one to sing, um, and can be tricky to play, but I mean, it sounds fantastic. Every, every change, every going from one chord to the next, like you go from that E to the G sharp. That's a hook. And then G sharp to F sharp seven. That's a hook. And then making it minor. That's a hook. Like every chord change is a new hook, right? He's not just waiting for the end of the bar or something to add a little flair. It's like every single change is grabbing your ear. Opening riff is kind of cool because it's, it's kind of similar to I Want to Tell You from Revolver. Um, not in how it sounds, but how it's constructed. There's a lot of open strings, um, and you can and on this one you can hold down the D chord for the entire riff. So even if you hit the wrong string, it'll harmonize with itself. Not that Harrison or Clapton ever hit the wrong strings. Um, and George is playing in an octave higher than Clapton. So here's your E chord. So he's doing. Oops. Just hitting the low E, and then. G sharp and then a double stop B and E. So that's just the open E chord. Whoops. Pretty simple stuff. But it sounds cool. And George is playing it up an octave. Uh, Clapton's on the uh, wah wah pedal, playing it on the open end, and then George is playing it up an octave. Um, from that, so you've got this really cool sound with the uh, the opening riff that kind of keeps reappearing, and that's kind of also what reminds me of "I Want to Tell You," is how it keeps reappearing throughout the song. It reappears during the bridge. Oh, I don't see me crying. Right, it keeps popping in and out, which is cool. So that's Wawa. Um, I don't know what else to say. If you have thoughts on it, you can let me know, you know, um, using any of those means that I gave you at the beginning of the podcast. And then now that we're doing things a little bit different, you know, you automatically know what song we're covering next. We've already done. Isn't it a pity? Um, so the next one is one of, uh, George's most beloved solo songs, I think, and definitely one of my favorites. What is life? And then tomorrow we'll be going to the next tune on the Kinks Lola album. Be sure to subscribe if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to it. And if you're listening on a platform like Apple where you can actually leave a review, please leave a five-star review. And um, share the link with your friends. I post it on all the Hero Habit and Kinks and Beats social media. So you can um, share that with your other Kinks and Beatles friends. And um, like I said before, if you uh, feel compelled to uh, help us keep the lights on, Swing by and give a contribution at herohabit.com slash shop. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.
This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes. Okay, seriously, what is wrong with this program?